Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone, and welcome to the next edition of Dream Reality, a podcast brought to you by Aiden Consulting. This is a podcast where we talk to a wide range of experts in their field, people who are comfortable with change, who are innovators, who challenge the way we think. We're quite uncomfortable with change as human beings. We like to dive under the duvet and hide. And we like, you know, things to be constant, to steady, and just plod along a little bit. But over the last 18 months, boy, have we embraced change. Whether it be the way we school our kids, whether it be the way we go to the supermarket, or we do our actual job at home or in a, in a facility, everything has changed. And we've really embraced it. So this podcast is really a series where we take some ideas and concepts that you probably have seen in the news or read about online and talk about how we can bring them into business and how we can continue to ride the crest of the wave and drive for more positive change and try and make the world a little bit of a better place using this as a platform to go for it. So today I am really excited, and this is our part two of diversity and, and inclusion um, series. We are going to talk to Jean. Jean is a master, master coach within the, the realm of neuroscience. And I hope I got that right. And she will correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong. <laughs> but she provides a wide range of uh, coaching services to whoever wants to develop themselves and open up their mind a little bit. So we're going to be talking a bit about diversity and inclusion within the scope of ability today. And within that, people who are neurodivergent or have differing abilities with that will be in the workplace. So Jean, I hand it over to you and we'd love to hear a little bit more about your journey and a little bit about you. Oh, okay. Well, thank you very much, Alison, for having me here today. Uh, we're no strangers to each other. Uh, we're obviously on the Ireland Together Network where we've got to, to, to know and, and enjoy um, just learning and growing together in our respective journeys along the way, uh, which is a great learning experience. Uh, I'm certainly no stranger myself to, to change. Um, I think it's all I've ever really known. Uh, so even hearing your own inspirational intro there on, on change and the different attitudes and approaches to it, um, uh, we can all certainly become stuck at times. And sometimes even when, when we need to change, it can be overdue uh, before we're actually even uh, have the courage or the bravery um, to, to tackle maybe what it is we need to change um, in our lives in whatever different aspects. Um, so uh, I worked in the corporate environment for over 18 years. And I guess to fast forward with that, um, I left a couple of years ago. Uh, I guess the only way I can describe it is I got the coaching bug. And um, I initially qualified as an executive and life coach. Mm -hmm. um, and then all I can say is it just, it consumed me. And um I would describe myself as really ambitious in terms of I didn't ever want to have a person in front of me where I felt I didn't have all the skills and resources and that could enable them in some way. So I did go off and qualify as a coach in many different modalities. 
um, so that I could eventually qualify as a master coach. So the coaching um, that I coach in the areas are executive and life coaching, career coaching, neuro wellness coaching for wellness, self-care, performance, stress management, uh, mind coaching for anxiety management, uh, emotional intelligence coaching, uh, embed coaching for multiple brain integration techniques uh, to ensure head, heart and um, uh, gut brains are aligned. And um, I'm even forgetting some of them there, but where I suppose along my own uh, coaching career and, and coaching clients, um, one of the most important things is I coach with neuroscience and to maybe just explain first what that means um, in a way that I hope people will understand it, that we're not logical, linear um, human beings that think, okay? We're, we're biological, emotional beings that sometimes think. Um, and within that, understanding what's going on in our head, what's going on in our bodies, um, as in our nervous system, mm -hmm. and how we operate and function as, as humans. So coaching has really um, evolved and exploded in terms of what's now achievable through coaching when you coach with neuroscience and when you're um, enabling others that, um, you know, that come to you with, with you know, a wide array of challenges, um, including, I guess it has really helped me recognize where there are differences in humans, um, especially through the, through the coaching modality, where in recognizing that um, we're, not, we're not all wired the same mm -hmm. and people with differing abilities, um, that their nervous system and brain operates different. Um, so what I mean by that is when we look at neurodiversity, it's looking at the different neurological um, differences in how people operate and function with their executive functioning skills, their nervous system, their brains. Um, so things that maybe come naturally to some don't come naturally to others. And there's 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 a strengths and a disabilities piece involved in it. Mm -hmm. um, and really, when we look at neurodiversity, um, it's really looking at it with, with a strengths um, approach. Yeah, and we're going to touch on some of that um, mm. as we as we go through. And I think just before we start, and it's something that, um, mm. you know, people who have been listening and have signed up to the podcast recordings will notice that, and I'm going to just highlight it again, once again, we have a guest that had a career and did a career pivot because they saw purpose and they really, mm -hmm. you know, they, they did that. And that is really a recurring theme that, you know, the, the drive of purpose and understanding your values and really switching your career is something to be celebrated. And there's a lot of very, very successful people out there that have done that. And I think we're quite shy in celebrating that because certainly most of the people, I do know Jean, so I knew she'd done it, but before mm -hmm. we went into that level of depth and my other podcast guests, I didn't know that they had gone through that journey. So it's incredibly enlightening mm -hmm. to, to have that relationship and know that you're not alone in going down those journeys. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So just switching over to our diversity and inclusion topic, and I, I really mm. appreciate that you started, uh, you mentioned about neuro, neurodiverse, neurodiversity. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> I know, I know, and I apologize. I, I feel like Not I'm eating my tongue. Um, so obviously this week specifically, you know, the, the Euro's final has just happened in the last couple of days and diversity and inclusion has certainly been in the news. But mm. I think that that's really from one aspect and really why we're having a second podcast episode on this topic is really because Yes, you have racial diversity. Yes, you have gender diversity. Yes, you have ageism mm -hmm. diversity. But there's so many other parts of diversity, whether it be the neurodivergence, whether it be the differing abilities, some seen, mm -hmm. some unseen. And that's really what we're going to focus on here. And just to mm -hmm. kind of kick it off a little bit, there was a, an amazing video, which will be linked um, in the show notes uh, of this. Mm -hmm where there was an individual that had um, Down syndrome and they were, went to work in a bakery. And then the lawyer saw the, the person working in the bakery and then hired someone of a similar ability in her office to do administrative tasks. And it went on and on and on because they saw it as being normal and being open. And I thought that, and this was a really powerful video and it really gave me chills, actually, about how people were really including them and identifying their skill set and their abilities and matching it in that way. So Generation Z as well are becoming more comfortable talking about their mental fitness, where they are in their mental strengths and the differing abilities of people. It's much more mainstream to say that, you know, mm. I'm on the spectrum or I have a level of autism or I have a X, Y, and Z, or I have a hearing difficulty. Mm. Generation Z are certainly much more open and comfortable talking about these things than mm. in my generation. But mm. they're only coming into the workplace and they're not really in the leadership roles. So how can we make this comfort level more mainstream and make these differing abilities more acceptable? Okay, that's, that's a big question. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's, a big, it's a big question. And I suppose, uh, first of all, I'd like to say that, um, so I come at this from diversity, inclusion, and, and belonging is, is where I come at it from. Uh, under that umbrella, I suppose under our Employment Equality uh, Legislation Acts, um, where when we look at the different dimensions, some of them you mentioned there, um, are, are, we'll say around the equality factors in the in the workplace, be it religious, um, mm -hmm. religion, age, marital status, um, sexual orientation, whatever it is, where the disability is the one I zone in on. Yeah. And under disability, um, you're looking at a couple of different layers. So you're looking at disability can come in many forms, um, be it intellectual, be it physical or be it even invisible. Mm -hmm. And it's the invisible piece, really, I think, is where we highlight the whole neurodiversity piece, because within disability, we look at disability, we look at mental and emotional 
health, which is another area I really advocate yeah. through emotional intelligence and emotional wellness and um, the neurodiversity piece in really recognizing um, through my interactions with, with clients um, that, oh, okay, so something is different here. Mm -hmm. And I suppose having a really inquisitive mind, peeling back the layers on actually what's going on here, what, you know, because normally, you know, this and this will work for a client. So it's not. So there, there's, there's something off here. There's mm -hmm. something else going on. And it's very true what you say about Generation Z and, you know, they're, they're, they're coming into um, the jobs now where but they're just starting off in that process. Um, and I think it's brilliant in terms of the level of new awareness they're going to bring in to organizations. They have been integrated in the schooling system where disabilities in whatever form or neurodiversity is just the norm for them. They have teacher assistants and um, special accommodations being met in the classrooms um, like my, my son mentioned at one stage, you know, so someone has got um, sight issues and he's got um, special assistive technology uh, for, for him for certain classes. Um, and so there's a lot of different accommodations being made for disabilities across a wide range within our schooling service now. So, so this is what uh, Generation Z are used to. Um, and they're, they're now coming into our workplaces where they're looking at, you know, this is the norm for them. And then it's kind of like they're, they're actually getting shocked um, at what's not the norm in companies. Um, so I suppose looking at your question, how do we make this more mainstream? Um, will we make this more mainstream? I guess where I'm advocating it and looking at making it more mainstream is educating people, okay? And there's, there's commonalities across the board in terms of the challenges that companies are having, uh, where the first thing is actually looking at what are the barriers that companies are faced with. And those barriers or that resistance to change um, is, is looking at what these common um, barriers are for a lot of companies across the board. So no differently from anyone else, I've gone and learned from all the experts um, uh, what actually are these, these barriers in the companies um, because I'm seeing firsthand from my clients what their barriers are. Mm -hmm. um, so often it's, um, it's really looking at some of the questions that can arise from companies so it might be a question of why bother you know what difference will this make if we have diversity inclusion and belonging in our workplace um, so I guess the answer to that is um, when we look at 2016 consensus because we know consensus in 2020 where um, 13.5% of the population has a disability. Okay, one in seven. And that was in 2016. Um, the World Health Organization have come along and said it's actually one in five um, that they believe has a disability. Okay, 
and where 70% of disabilities are actually considered invisible. So in other wow. words, yeah, I know they're big statistics. Yeah, they are. Yeah, um, really big statistics. But where that number um, of 13.5% is expected to um, um, exponentially just increase by 2016 to 20%. And it's because, speaking of generations, uh, we have an aging population. Mm -hmm. And with the aging population, where people are going to um, end up with disabilities, be it through illness, mental and emotional um, health challenges, um, or neurodiversity conditions that haven't been diagnosed, um, which is what is actually happening. Um, so this is this accounts for this increase in, we'll say, the older generations yeah. um, that are currently working, um, that are actually acquiring disabilities. Um, so it's, it's very prevalent now in the workplace and it's a challenge now. OK, and it's probably it's been a challenge for a long time, but there's more noise being created about it now, mm -hmm. you know. Well, you have absolutely blown my mind. Those statistics, I, I'd never, I'd never heard those, to be honest. And I, 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 I can honestly say I never actually, I do spend a lot of time thinking about these things. Mm -hmm. God knows when, but you know, I do. And, but I had never considered about the aging population and things. So I think mm -hmm. that that's definitely a perspective that you've really opened my eyes to now just to go back to something that you that you yep. touched on there is that not everyone you know sometimes you said 70 percent of those that do have a differing ability it's it's not visible right and not everyone wants to share and have everyone in the workplace know that they have a differing ability hmm. how can the leader help manage those types of situations? Well, um, for starters, um, the people themselves don't know. So the people themselves don't even know that the mind, the leader is not knowing. Yeah. Um, so what we're, what we're actually seeing happen is, um, we'll say parents, kids are actually getting diagnosed with the likes of ADHD or they're on the autism spectrum or they've got mm -hmm. dyscalia, dysgraphia, um, uh, you know, there's so many different comorbidities um, or be it um, depression or general, generalized anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, and where with kids getting diagnosed, um, the attention and focus then actually gets turned on the, the parents because um, a lot of these underlining um, uh, conditions um, are, you know, inherited and where actually the parents are recognizing and going for their appointments with their kids. Oh, hang on a moment. Um, and it's what I'm finding in the coaching space um, where I'm meeting clients with performance challenges and um, different other, we'll say, struggles and challenges going on in the workplace for them. Um, be it around their performance, around their coping mechanisms, around their stress management skills. And 
when you start to understand and peel back the layers of, of what's going on, um, then you start to see where all the where all the traits are um, for ADHD or for someone being on the spectrum or as I say, be it any of the other um, comorbidities. And th it's one thing worth mentioning when we mention neurodiversity or divergent, it's it's the non-medical, mm -hmm. um, it's a non-medical uh, definition, so to speak, um, of um, of these conditions, basically. Yeah. So it's a non-medical, it's a non-medical um, view of it. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a medical and there's a, a cultural view of it. So just yeah. to differentiate between that. But then when we look at what can leaders do? Um, well, really, it's looking at um, what, what policies have they got in place and um, having open and transparent policies um, around their diversity, inclusion and belonging policies in, in the workplace. And if they have open policies around this, it's not just good enough to turn out manuals at staff. They need to get, um, you know, professionals um, that are experts experts in um, uh, neurodivergent, neurodiversity, in the comorbidities that go with it, in to actually give talks mm -hmm. um, on this and educate, educate employers and employees. Um, and ensure that they have a transparent policy in place that you know offers guidance and support to its employees on what are the steps in place um, what is our attitude and what is our approach if you find yourself in a situation where these are your circumstances um, and that would massively alleviate a lot of stress and worry um, because the main the main thing is stigma um, yeah. for people finding out about their conditions, um, and really, really, I would say one of the biggest problems is um, worry about jeopardising their job or their career in any way, and this is what will really stop people disclosing. And even when we look at the piece around disclosure. Um, you know, there, there's more than one way to go about it. So it will really depend on everyone will be someplace different at it in terms of how it's impacting, we'll say, their functionality um, and their executive functioning skills and their performance. So every case needs to be taken on its own merit. And it's at an individual um, individual place for each individual as well, where they think, OK, well, if I'm diagnosed and if I go on steroid um, steroids or sorry, I should say stimulants um, for ADHD um, that, you know, they may want to gauge it and see how they're getting on and they may um, adapt really well where then they don't feel the need to disclose. Um, so it, it, it depends. So it's, it's really, you know, I've come across clients and where they've said, look, it's, it's at the stage now where they're afraid they're going to be getting the boot out the door, so to speak. Um, and they've only just discovered or been diagnosed with conditions. So they're adapting and adjusting to being on the meds, which can take anything from six weeks to six months for people. So while they're adapting in that space and at the same time, they want to ensure 
that they're um, getting back on track um, at work. And, and often it just comes to the point where they need to disclose to their employer so that their employer can actually understand, okay, this is what's going on, but now you're getting back on track. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of, um, I suppose anyone I've encountered that has discovered they have um, the conditions and in terms of the, the treatment and being able to now operate from the right user manual has, has made completely um, the world a difference to them. And it's been a massive turning point for them in how they're now able to perform and operate. Um, I, I love that. You know, you've made such a good number of points there. And really, my takeaway from that is it's, is it's education. It's normalizing it. It's having respectful conversations and making sure that we have the right policies and things in place to protect employees. And uh, yeah, I think that that's... that's it's very, very interesting. It's a very complex situation. Um, mm. and, and I love what you say that every single case is different. So it's really important to yeah. provide the skills to the leadership teams to be able to understand and to manage and to help the employees. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's... Yeah. And so just that it can be very simple accommodations actually that can be put in place for, for employees. So we'll say someone that is on the spectrum for example um they just may need a quiet space to work in yeah or they may just need a quiet space to work in for priority tasking um and then there may be other times that you know they need that integration so it's or it, it can be to do with you know um the lighting if there's sensory overload going on with someone or you know so it's it's, yeah. it's different for everyone it can also be to do with even having awareness on how we communicate. Mm -hmm. um, people have a lot of different communication requirements in terms of um, how specific they need that communication to be. Um, mm -hmm. So um, sometimes it's just very simple accommodations that's required. Um, and it, it, it depends on what that disability is, if it's, you know, but there's grants available. That's mm -hmm. really important to, to note. So, you know, for smaller businesses where they think, oh, okay, now I have to start making accommodations for staff that can be quite maybe daunting for them, for sure. but mm -hmm. there's grants available um, that they can avail of. Yeah. And I think mm -hmm. that that's an excellent point. And I love that you've made this you know, you've referenced it, that it's not just for large organizations, but the mm. small, small businesses can, can be such inclusive um, and belonging environments as well. And I just want to go a little bit further with one of your, with one of your points about, you know, how it's really on soft skills and communication skills, mm -hmm. because now it seems that if you pull any, any uh, book off, any leadership book mm -hmm. off your bookcase, they give you a list of what it takes to be a successful leader <laughs> and you need to you need to get all of those ticks otherwise you're not going to be you're going to fail and it's it's quite descriptive and quite strong messaging in most of it but sometimes some people with differing abilities will find some of these skills quite hard mm -hmm. on the way they communicate or the way they understand and they interact with people sometimes um, but yet they might be really, really good yeah. at their job. And, you know, mm -hmm. and maybe, you know, a really, you know, could potentially have a very successful career. 
So how can we, whilst acknowledging there are certain things that we, we deem, mainstream deem essential or they need to have them to be, you know, a, a successful leader, but some people don't always have them to the same level. They have a differing ability. How can we make sure that employees with different abilities within this within soft skills can have a career and a progressing career rather than just a job? Yeah, and I love that you said that and that you're asking that. And um, I think it's a wake up call as well for people. You know, I'm seeing people making a lot of changes as well when they get a diagnosis. And uh, we'll say people with ADHD, for example, um, they have a very interested only operating nervous system. So where they will like excel and, you know, maybe even suffer from hyper focus or time blindness in terms of um, the level of engagement they have when they're actually interested in the job. So I think it's really important to decipher first, you know, especially with people getting newly diagnosed in that, um, to even just revisit where they're at in their career. Um, you know, are you actually in the right job for yourself, first of all? Um, because no amount of accommodations is going to help someone if they're not in the right job mm -hmm. uh, for themselves. And then secondly, if, if people do wish to remain in, the, in their jobs, um, we're no different than, we'll say, neurotypical people. There, there has to be um, a review and feedback process along the way um, and really understanding what motivates and drives people and what makes them tick um, and where within that process, um, even understanding how we give feedback because we can, so if we can contract even in terms of what that feedback space looks like, because if people are just constantly being told what they can't do or what they're not good at, okay, that's just going to, you know, see employees take an dive in terms of their confidence, their ability. Um, but if we're drawing um, people's strengths to the surface, you know, we're looking at, um, feedback in terms of well what's working well what needs improving and how can we implement that yeah. um, but actually in how that feedback is being delivered um, and I would strongly recommend um, operating a coaching um, we'll say format in that space um, so instead of being so quick to maybe tell people or advise people actually you know flip the situation and say you know so well what what do you think how how are you doing what's working i love them, that yeah yeah so flip it um because it can often be we all we we're all learning we're all evolving we're all growing and where we can often come through doing a project um or working in different situations and the learning that occurs in that we all learn from our mistakes mm -hmm. even um and i suppose sometimes if, if we have someone ready to jump on what those mistakes are but instead actually first of all see what learning has occurred for that person um, and it will give you more reassurance as well as an employer in terms of understanding 
level of awareness they have mm -hmm. and what learning is taking place for them. Um, and then by all means, come in in that mentor advisory role for, you know, to, to help them bridge yeah. the difference and where they need. But yeah, um, and understanding as well um, what people's communications needs are. Mm -hmm. um, so in other words, if an individual, um, as I say to my clients, help help your employer to help you. Okay, so if you are if you are disclosing, then you know saying these are where maybe my challenges are, but this is what will help with them. Mm -hmm. So if I get if I get help with this, or if we can communicate in this way. So some people, for example, are visual. Some yes. people, if they get instructions verbally, um, it'll go in one ear and it'll go out the other ear. So. Yeah need an email afterwards yeah and it'll be just these small little tweaks um uh some people just don't like to be overloaded so they'll come away they won't want to look foolish in a situation or a meeting and they, they might get the gist of it but they may not have that clarity so at the end of conversations even um double clicking and summarizing so that people walk away with clear expectations yeah. so there's a lot a lot of communication guidelines that we can give um that will help employees to help their employers to, to, to help them. And I think that onus sometimes where, you know, people can think, oh, my employer doesn't understand me or my employer doesn't get me. Uh, so sometimes employees need to help them to, 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 to help them progress and how they're going to, to move forward. I think that that's, that's amazing, Jane. I mean, you've, Really, I think that you've made this, you know, I put I, I, I put this question to you, but, you know, I thought it was going to be, you know, really hard, but mm -hmm. you've really broken that down into things that are really tangible and things mm -hmm. that any leader can do easily as part of their mm -hmm. everyday. And I think that really my takeaway personally on this is that this is not a big problem we're making this a big problem and we should be talking about it and supporting the differing abilities and their differing strengths, but you should mm. be supporting your employees anyway. And it's just Absolutely. understanding and it's, it's the good communication and understanding and it coming from a place of good, which really can, can really bring the employee on. It's, I, you know, I, you really, Head it home to me there today. I, I really appreciate that. Just I'm a little bit conscious of time. So I'm going to um to go straight into dream reality. So this podcast okay. is called Dream Reality. Mm -hmm. And that is intentional because this is an opportunity. We are in a period of opportunity. So if you could dream of your nirvana future. What would that look like? And then, unfortunately, with a bit of reality check, what do you think it's actually going to turn out like? In terms of the diversity, inclusion yes. and belonging. Okay. Yes. Uh, so the dream reality, um, I'll just reflect for a moment. Um, yeah, it, 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 would, it would be presented in a way that, like it is currently in the school systems, where it's just the norm that yes. is universal and that someone doesn't feel under 
duress or that they're asking for special favors yeah. um, that it that it's just considered the norm because it is and the only thing that's not the norm is um the, the stigma and worried about people coming forward so they're they're struggling through and they're masking an awful lot of their invisible disabilities and yeah. um, so so the dream would be if people didn't have to mask and yeah, if it was that. as simple for people to just shrug their shoulders and you know oh i'm neurodiverse yeah mm-hmm. you know and that it's no big deal yeah um, and that people understand that mm-hmm. oh you know and it's just literally no big deal yeah. that's that's where it would be um that would be the dream yep so and the reality the reality, the reality, the reality is that there is a lot of fantastic organizations out there. Um, Caroline Casey, that they reached their landmark of 500, that milestone in May of um, 500 organizations and getting them on board um, with the whole disability um, uh, piece in their organizations and getting them on board in that. That's just one organization of many. There's Ask mm-hmm. I Am, there's Open Doors, there's Lexic, there's there's just so many resources out there. There's neurodiversity and the law, there's assistive technology for all the different disabilities. There, there is so much, there is so much help and support out there uh, for companies that are showing an interest and maybe starting to, to dip their toes in the water. Mm-hmm. So and where in getting highly involved in this whole area and learning from all the expertise, what I have done is, you know, I have my workshops put together where I can provide people with that A to Z on diversity, inclusion and belonging. So regardless of what's going on so that they can have a playbook and that yeah. they know where to start. But like, so I've learned from the expertise of JP Morgan, EY, the people mm-hmm. that have done it before. So people are already out there doing it. So to keep learning from the experts that, you know, are leading the way for us. And that's the reality. Mm-hmm. And in terms of, you know, getting momentum uh, going in companies where leaders can basically get buy-in um, and influence it um, by organizing members of staff employees that are genuinely interested yeah okay and you will find there will be you'll be fine that there'll be someone in their career that maybe they want to get involved in a project or something Mm -hmm. worthwhile especially after coming through the pandemic I feel now more than ever there is a greater greater level around mental and emotional wellness which neurodiversity comes totally under that bracket and where um people people want to help people Okay, and that's not naivety on my that's not naivety on my behalf. It's where people engage their heart brain and in the work, you know, with more than one brain, with more than this um cephalic head brain. So the reality is I'd love to see people engaging their heart brain more as well and getting the right people involved that really want to be involved, that it doesn't become tokenistic work that is just ticking another box yeah. for the sake of compliance that bit okay if it means it gets results and gets some makes more progress with it great but i'd love there to be yeah. some heart and soul ignited in it uh, by the people that really care 
Love that. Yeah, I love that, you know, the normalization of it, uh, like it's been like has been done in the schools so that we're no longer talking about it. It's just like, yeah, all right. Yeah, all right. I love that. You know, just the, yeah, yeah okay. And yeah. So what? It is, it is normal. So what? And for someone yeah, to say, yeah. you know, okay, I am autistic, and then someone to turn around and go, and, you know, what's, what's your point? You know, yeah. That would be you know. that would be such a lovely a lovely situation to be in, you know. I love well, that. Well, what I what I'd love better is that for someone to just turn around and be able to say, "Oh, cool," um, yeah. because you know, it's it's if someone mentions that, it's important to them. Yes. Um, and that we don't discredit that person in yeah. any way. It's because maybe it's um, for people on the autism spectrum that can be very much part of their identity. So yes. some people will see it in the first person and some people will see it in the second person in terms yes. of for some people it's a medical condition mm -hmm. whether they have ADHD or autism or whatever other comorbidities um, um, and it's exactly that it's a medical condition for others it will be really a part of their identity yeah. um, so how people feel about it even is you know it's entirely different fascinating yeah. you know it's such I think it's just you know it's such a large spectrum and of, mm. of information and differences and things and it's just so mm. much to think about mm. and it's, I really I yeah. really you know thank you so much for your for your points today you know it's you really you know demonstrated that you know small changes and small adjustments mm. it's can can really make a difference to individuals but it's it's all about understanding yeah. and communicating with those individuals to know what works for them yeah and just and i really you know it's been caring uh, steps yeah yes <laughs> it's you're a fountain of knowledge for this and i would i would um suggest to people if they have more questions to reach out to jane and i'm sure she'd be Absolutely. more than happy to support with more information but on a slightly yeah. lighter note i did ask <laughs> okay. for a couple of recommendations right <laughs> okay so the first one is either a book or a podcast that you love or you recommend to people Mm, okay um so you mentioned purpose earlier so the funny thing is no matter what book or course or anything i'll do um there always has to be a why or a mm -hmm. purpose involved i can't just pick up something for the sake of it so i would one book that i would highly recommend is it's by ruby wax and it's mindfulness for the frazzled oh. and yeah and it's a super book because a it includes a six week um, tutorial that bring people through a step by step process on learning mindfulness, the, the techniques um, within mindfulness itself. But then for anyone that um, loves to understand uh, themselves, um, their neurobiology, their neurochemistry, anyone that's remotely into neuroscience, um, it's jam packed with neuroscience, but in a very explainable way that makes sense. And then yeah. Ruby Wax has the most fantastic, outrageous sense of she's humor. She's awesome. She's yeah, so funny. She's super. She's yeah. so funny, but she's so real and human as well. Um, so, you know, you're, you're learning so much in reading this book and actually just having a laugh along the way as well. Uh, so it's kind of you're reading a bit and then it's like, did she really just say that? Oh, my God, for a play to her. So, yeah, so I just totally loved, totally loved her book. Yeah, that's that is a great recommendation. Absolutely going to the top of my reading list. I didn't know she had that one. So great. Yeah. And then 
if you're just feeling a little bit down or a bit low energy, what is the song that you put on your playlist? Okay. Um, God, I wish there was a simple answer to that because uh, I love, I love, I love music. Um, but it it depends on the on the mood I'm trying to to generate. So it's you know if I'm being lazy about going out for my run, then maybe it's uh, Nina Lou Lund. She's a Norway girl. Um, yes. She sings um, Unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's really if I want to get that upbeat piece going. Yeah. Um, if I want to you know crank up my creativity um it might be a bit of Mozart or Bach or you know some classical music yeah it's just totally motivational um and maybe if it's I just want to reset so yes people think of that pickup it's it's not always about um going up decimals Mm -hmm. in terms of high energy you might want that pick up to reset yourself but more in a in a mindful or calming relaxing way so it's um Gaytree, Primal, it's, she kind of plays, um, it's very therapeutic, okay. um, mystical almost type music um, that really just invokes um, a sense of just surreal calmness and Lovely. peace. And yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's fabulous. You know, if you just want yeah. to, to, to visit that nice intentional place. Yeah. So, so physiologically, when we change our physio- ourselves physiologically, um, we accelerate them psychologically, um, mm-hmm. how we feel, and we can really fa- fast track that. So, yeah. you know, anything from d- depending on what it is, th- the mood we're trying to generate. Yeah, um, we can intentionally do that through music. And that's that's something I love doing uh, for myself, actually. Great. Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, look, thank you so much, Jim, for your time today. Yeah. Great pleasure. Um, you're an absolute fountain of knowledge on this topic and I think and I certainly have learned so much just through this short conversation and you know I really appreciate your time and and direction on this so really heartfelt okay. thank you well it's been a pleasure I'm sure I'll see you in two weeks time anyway in our usual bridge to success uh, session um so take care in the meantime thank you thank Alison. you so much bye-bye